1: Championship Roundtable podcast. I'm joined by Louis this week. Louis, I'm going to chuck it over to you first of all to take us through the weekend results.
2: Yeah, some fantastic results this weekend. Um, a lot of changes in the table once again, but back to Saturday the half-past 12 kickoff, uh, The derby involving derby away at Nottingham Forest. Forest winning 1-0 in that fixture. Uh, then James' side, uh, Preston North End beating Huddersfield 3-1, 3-1 on Saturday also. QPR and Middlesbrough with a score draw, that one ending in uh, two goals apiece. Uh, Reading with a comfortable 3-0 victory at home to Luton. Uh, Sheffield Wednesday and Swansea uh, in an entertaining 2-all draw also. Uh, Brentford, who continued to climb the table, Uh, two sendings off in this game as well, ran out 3-0 winners away to Wigan. Uh, Stoke... um, you know, their form's increasing slightly, but managed to get a 4-2 victory away to Barnsley. That's more goals than anyone's seen Stokes score this season. Uh, Fulham with a with a big win, uh, 1-0 away, at a tough Birmingham side. West Brom remaining top of the table with a decent 1-0 away victory at Hull City. Also another side at the top, Leeds United running out 2-1 winners against Blackburn Rovers. Uh, Millwall also winning two one against a decent Charlton side this season, which then took us to the Sunday fixture at twelve o'clock, where Bristol City managed to get a one nil victory away to Cardiff City, and that's that, James.
1: Yeah, there were a couple of games that stood out for me, uh, sort of in particular, looking through sort of the weekend results. I think the first one, me and Jake touched on it last week in the in the previews, was the Barnsley Stoke game. You know. Seems daft to say sort of November that it's a six-pointer, but with the form of the two sides, obviously going into the game, they were the only two sides left in single figures in the league, and and looking to be sort of cut adrift was the was the Barnsley Stoke game, and the way Stoke started, you know, to go two 0 up, uh, sort of midway through the first half, Michael O'Neill making an immediate impact there. Um, you know, can't speak highly enough of him from. A few mates who who are Northern Irish, you know, speaking to them, seems like a very good manager and a good appointment for Stoke. A bit of a gamble considering he's, he's not really managed at club level for, you know, for the recent past. But, you know, if, if he can continue to get them playing like they did on, on Saturday at Barnes, so, you know, they, they should, you know, hopefully for them be OK. I think, you know, to go away from home in, in any league and score four goals, especially for a team that have been struggling to score, was fantastic for them. Obviously, Barnsley mm-hmm. right sort of with them in that relegation zone, so massive boost of confidence for them. And then you look at the the teams that they're not too far off now. You know, coming back after the international break, a win can take them up to twenty first. Obviously, it'd have to be a comprehensive win, and and you know, Luton would have to, to go down by a couple of goals. But there's that incentive there now for Stoke to really kick on. You know, you look down the lineup that that O'Neill had to choose from, and you know there are talented players there, and I don't think. You know, with that squad, they should be anywhere near the relegation zone. Obviously, the way that they played this season warrants them being down there. But if you look on paper, you know the likes of of Tom Ince, Joe Allen, Jack Butland, you know Premier League players who who have really struggled this season, and hopefully for them, O'Neill is that person to to turn the corner for them. And um, so, really impressed with Stoke with with O'Neill coming in. You know, short uh, sort of notice before the game, and, and obviously got them playing the way they, they did. Another result which stood out for me was Millwall getting the 2-1 victory against Charlton. Obviously, Charlton have have been one of the surprise packages of the season so far. Recent weeks, they've just come off the boil a little bit. Still find himself in 11th though now, which, you know, by all accounts, is a very good position for for a team that's just been promoted. Millwall, obviously, you know, about mid-table-ish at the moment to get that early goal and then and then to be pegged back in the second half, you know, I thought maybe Charlton, especially seeing how they played against us the other weekend, you know, I thought they were they were completely in the game against us on the Sunday uh, two weeks ago. So I thought getting that equaliser, you know, Charlton would go on and win the game. But for Millwall to dig in, get that 91st minute winner, I think if they are to have a You know, a decent season, which for them at the moment where they are, I think it'd be sort of that upper half of mid-table between about 10th to 14th. If they are to, to, you know, aspire to finish their results like that are going to be vitally important. So impressed with them. Obviously, Charlton are a good side at this this level this season. So great result for them. And then on a selfish point of view, um, I thought we played fantastically well against Huddersfield. Didn't let them have a shot and goal in the first half. A team that the Cowley brothers, obviously me and Jake touching it last week, have done fantastically well. They were unbeaten in seven going into the game against us. We were unbeaten at home, so you know something was gonna have to give. Um and fantastic again by us. Jaden Stockley, you know, I've been one of his biggest critics this season. Uh, sort of the few times I'd seen him play this season, he just didn't look up to the pace of it whatsoever. But fair play to him, the last couple of weeks, he's been one of the best players in our match day squad. Getting that early goal four minutes in, first one to react in the box and, and get ahead of uh, Gallagher's free kick coming back off the post. And that really set the tone for us in the first half. I mean, that first half performance is as good as I've seen us play all season. And if we are to, obviously, we'll get onto it in a bit. Aspire to keep up with that, that top sort of pack that is slightly pulling away now. You know, performances like that are going to be vital for us. Um, Huddersfield grew into it in the second half, but, you know, we ran out comfortable winners in the end. Um, there are the three performances though that stood out for me. Are there any in particular for that stood out
2: for you that I've not touched on, or, or would you? Forget? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is James. Yeah, I've got I've got a couple actually. Uh, the first one I'm going to mention it's more of a surprise than a big win that you know that I might mention it, and that's West Brom's victory at Hull. I know you you know West Brom are first in the league, and many people probably had them down to win, but I just wanted to mention them because that's the kind of game. That, you know, if, if you can pick up them 1-0 wins away at teams like your Hulls and your Birmingham's and your Cardiff's who are around mid-table, that's, you know, that's promotion winning form as such. And, and you look at West Brom's form and they're unbeaten in a handful, you know, pl- pl- and, and plenty of games now. And, and I just thought it stood out for the... Right reasons for West Brom because you know they sometimes struggle to keep keep clean sheets and Hull City I think are going to be one of those sticky teams this season where you know a lot of clubs will go to the KC Stadium and and they will struggle to pick up points and and yeah for that reason alone I think I'm, I just had to mention West Brom and, and not only that uh, the goal itself through uh, Jake Livermore on 28 minutes it, it was an absolute beauty so if you've not seen that check that out but I thought I'd give them a mention and then the other one I think to be mentioning in Brentford uh, every every week at the minute because I always said, you know, you need to keep a watchful eye on them. And I think they, you know, they were world apart from Wigan. Um, you'd have thought they were in different leagues. Like we all know that Brentford have got, a, you know, a, a few class players. Uh, but on the day, the 3-0 victory at Wigan, for me, Brentford just keeping improving and improving every single week. Uh, we know what they're capable of. They were sat around 17th, 18th, only four or five weeks ago. Uh, But since then, yeah, they've they've come into their own. And again, I keep mentioning it, but their clean sheet record, another clean sheet against Wigan, only conceded 13 goals uh, in 16 games played so far. And I really, really still think, for me, that Brentford are going to be the team that potentially push and get into the playoffs and and could be a playoff finalist this, this season. So again, yeah. I just think it's it's one of the teams to to keep a lookout for, basically. Uh, but yeah, that that's it for me, James, regarding big wins or surprises. Yeah. So then to move on
1: to to individual performances, there's a couple for me, but I'll let you go first on this one to see, obviously, if you're going to go for the same as me. I've got three players in particular that stood out. Um, Are there any in particular for you that you want to single out this week?
2: I've got four written down. I'm sure we've got some similar James, Uh, but first one I'll mention because he's come under loads of criticism recently um maybe for the right or wrong reasons you'd have to ask a leeds united fan but bamford he finally got his goal although from the penalty spot and an assist as well i thought his assist was fantastic his touch to bring it down and his perfectly weighted pass to uh, harrison score the goal i thought i cannot mention uh bamford um another player that's well I'm going to put it out there that the the player of the round of games for me actually. Um I'm going to say it because you've probably got him listed as well. Simply because I thought his two goals were outstanding which is Sam Clucas. I know we've mentioned Stoke City already. Um but his you know his first goal where he lobbed the keeper and you know I know it was the keeper's fault as such but uh that was fantastic and and not, and then obviously his second goal to go with it was it was a you know, a thunder strike as well. So I'm going to mention those two and see what other players you come up with before I mention my final two, James. I don't know if you've already had Klukas or Bamford written down.
1: Yeah, I did have Klukas as one of my three. I didn't actually have Bamford, but obviously good point about him getting the uh, getting the goal finally and, and chipping him with an assist as well. The the other two that I was going to mention, as well as Glukas, uh, first of all, the Sombolonga getting embraced. You know, yeah, I've, I've so got him anyway. down <laughs> as well. <laughs> not not to mention him. Yeah, Middlesbrough obviously struggled this season. QPR having a very good season um, so far. You know, they're just outside the playoffs. I think uh, four points outside. Obviously, they were a bit closer before this draw at the weekend. But, you know, for Sombolonga to go there and the Middlesbrough team that are struggling, um, I don't think they will be down there come the end of the season. But, you know, only two wins so far this season is sort of a bit worrying um, at this stage, you know, for a team that should have been challenging for the playoffs, if not higher. Um Long obviously getting the two goals um, and, you know, the equaliser midway through the second half. Um, after being 1-0 up for them to go 2-1 down, you know, where they sort of are in the league at the moment, you know, it would be easy for the heads to drop. But him getting those two goals and QPR looking down the league at the moment, he's Probably one of the hardest places to go, which I didn't think I'd be saying at the start of the season when we did our previews. So definitely, you know, a great performance by him getting those. And if Middlesbrough are to climb up the table, you know, they need him sort of on fire, banging in the goals. So if he can continue that, I think Middlesbrough will, uh, will start to push towards the the playoff places. Um, secondly, um, Mitrovic for Fulham. He could have had two goals. One was just shorted off for offside. And then he got the winner sort of early in the second half as well. You know, one player of the month. And again, similar to on Longer, if Fulham are to have aspirations of returning to the Premier League, you know, they sit just outside the plus at the moment on 26 points. I think Bristol and Nottingham Forest are a couple of points ahead on 28. So if they are to, you know, keep up that pressure on the playoff pack and, you know, push in and, and have those aspirations of getting back to the Premier League, Mitrovic needs to be, to be key for them. He started the season really well. You know, I think he's into getting on for double figures now for the season. If not, uh, twelve actually, yeah. <laughs> Couple that with his five yellow cards, which shows you, know, what kind of player he is. <laughs> so if yeah, if they are to to, you know, get into those playoffs they need him, uh, similar to us on Malonga, you know, putting them away and, and could have had two goals. I'm lucky not to get the, the first, but then you know, came back and got that goal and it was a, a good 1-0 win for Fulham against, uh, you know, a hit and miss Birmingham side. So, yeah, they were the other two. Obviously, you
2: mentioned the Longer. Was there anyone else that I've not mentioned there? Yeah, just one more, because uh, I've not mentioned him for a while and I'm going to say John Swift. He got his two assists for Reading in that 3-0 victory against Luton. Um, and I think he's been, you know, a pivotal part to their, well, dare I say it, success. Um, I know the 17th in the league, but he's managed to get a, almost a third of, the assists uh, for the goals that Reading have scored so like I said we we haven't really spoke about him since the beginning of the season when when he started really well Um, so I just thought I'd mention him again because I thought he had a a fantastic game
1: Yeah definitely Uh, he played fantastically well when we went down there a few weeks ago and and chatted to Simeon as well Uh, you know comes on the show from time to time not many fans were were too happy with that managerial appointment but you know fair play to him he's, he's turned it around for them and and you know players like Swift are key for them climbing up the table um in terms then of sort of the the main news over the last week since me and Jake recorded two managerial changes or changes uh Neil Warnock leaving Cardiff City a couple of days ago and, and Michael O'Neill been appointed by Stoke I think we'll touch on Neil Warnock first because it's the, the most recent as we're recording this on Tuesday. Obviously, it seems to be that he left by mutual consent, you know, 70 years old now. I don't think that he'll probably come back into management at this stage of his career. Obviously, never say never, but, you know, he did fantastically well at Cardiff. They are struggling this season down, I think, in sort of 13th, 14th place um, at the moment, you know, for a team that came down from the Premier League, I think they'd want to be a lot higher than that at the moment. Obviously, they're not too far away from the playoffs, only seven points, which, you know, shows how tight the table is at the moment. Do you think it was right for him to go at this stage of the season? And sort of in terms of managerial appointments for Cardiff now, do you think that they go for an experienced championship manager? I know Neil Harris has been linked. Or would you like Mm. to see them sort of go from someone down, say in the lower leagues, who can take the club forward?
0: Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods
2: Yeah, I would say it is about the right time. I think, you know, he's had 16 games to see where they were in the table. You could say that they've had a a bang average start they've you know won five lost five scored 23 conceded 23 therefore zero goal difference um they're not in a bad position yes they are fourteenth, but with that they're still only you know six or seven points behind the playoffs. so whoever comes in there's an opportunity still and you know an aim and an objective to to finish in that top six I'm, i'm sure will still be the priority um so it's interesting that well, unfortunately, should I say, uh, that we haven't got Jake on the show. Um, he's not been on. You know, he's, he's usually on the show and, you know, this week is not. But he normally mentions um, when we've done, you know, talked about the next manager to leave or to be sacked, etc. He's always said that Warnock would potentially leave around Christmas. Yes, I know we've not quite got there yet. Um, but with him leaving by mutual consent, he's, he's proved himself right. Um, so. Yes, in many ways you could say that Cardiff are underachieving, and mo- many people would have thought they were in the top six by now. But to answer your second question, I would like to see Harris given the job. I know he's favourite, uh, quite firm favourite at the minute as well, with Chris Hughton in second, around six to one. And I don't think he'd take that job, Houghton. He's already turned down Sheffield Wednesday and West Brom previously. So if he were to take Cardiff, I'd be quite surprised. Uh, but I think Harris deserves that chance. I think he did, you know, so well with Millwall in many ways. I think Millwall, he overachieved there at keeping him in this division. And he kind of went under the radar a little bit. And I know Harris is a Millwall fan and, you know, collectively that worked. Um, but why can't he you know with with a with a better squad, let's say uh, maybe a little bit of money to spend in January? I'd really like to see Neil Harris given a chance and and with that, I think you know if if he was appointed, I don't see why Cardiff can't push for the for the playoffs still this season, like i say there's there's not there's not too many points behind the likes of Nottingham Forest and Bristol City, even though the tables you know it seems to change every week um so yeah. You know, with during the international break as we record, it, it's it's always an opportunity for uh, you know a chairman to to make a change. So you know, if they appoint somebody in this next, let's say five to seven days, then yes, it could prove to be a, a very good time. So for me, yeah, it, it'd be nice to see Harris um, given the job simply because I, I like the guy and I think he, he just deserves that chance. Yeah, definitely.
1: I completely agree with you in terms of the, the Harris appointment, you know, did fantastically well at, at Millwall. And I think, you know, leaving Millwall seemed to be mutual consent for him as well. So, you know, it wasn't as if he was sort of sacked for a team that were struggling. So I think, yeah, definitely he does deserve that chance. And just looking down Cardiff's next few fixtures as well, there's a few winnable games there you know, coming up, they go to Charlton away after the international break. And then either side of a Nottingham Forest away trip, they've got home games against Stoke and Barnsley, the bottom two. So, you know, it seems to be a perfect time for a manager coming in. Obviously, if they can get that appointment made sooner rather than later over this international break, you know, sort of a week and a half for them to, to come in, you know, get around the majority of the group away on international duty and, and. Looking at those fixtures, you know, I'd, I'd say they could easily pick up, you know, sort of seven, eight points from those four games. And and for a team sort of mid-table yeah. at the moment, you know, not a million miles away from the playoff, that'd be a great return, you know, on a manager's first few games. Obviously, after that, you know, tricky fixtures away trips to, to Brentford and Leeds. So that real sort of onus is there on Cardiff to make the right appointment get that manager in and, and, you know, see where those four games can take them. You know, if they build confidence going into that Brentford and, and Leeds doubleheader just sort of midway through December, you know, there's no reason they can't pick up points there. But the squad they've got by large is still that squad that they had in the Premier League last season. So, you know, I think it's a fantastic opportunity for a manager coming in, obviously not too far from the transfer window as well. And I think Neil Harris, you know, definitely deserves an opportunity. I think, as you mentioned, Chris Uteni, if he's turned down Sort of jobs of of Sheffield Wednesday and Swansea sort of standard already. I think you know he wouldn't really go for that Cardiff job unless that is the kind of job that he was holding out for. Obviously, we don't know, but I think Neil Harris would be best suited to to take Cardiff over and certainly given a chance to to see how he can step up to you know a a new challenge. Um, In terms then of a team that have appointed a new manager already, Stoke obviously I touched on earlier got that fantastic win away at Barnsley at the weekend. Michael O'Neill come in. You know, took a bit of a gamble on him. Obviously, time will tell if that's the right gamble. Fantastic manager, but obviously an international manager by trade who has managed that Northern Ireland team for you know several years, done wonderful things with them, and you know, you know, built his stock up to no end. Do you think that he is that right man to, to take over that Stoke job? Me and Jake mentioned last week, obviously before uh, O'Neill came in when. Alex Neil from Preston was linked as well that, you know, Stoke needed to make a an appointment for more of sort of steadying the ship. So, you know, the like the sort of a manager that knows the division well, will get them out of trouble. And then, you know, going into yeah. the next season, building forwards then, because first and foremost would be staying in the division and not doing, you know, the likes of Sunderland and, and dropping down into League One. Do you think O'Neill is that right man to to take them forwards or do you still see that as a bit of a gamble going forward in the long
2: term? I'm split, James, if I'm honest. Um, It's a difficult one. I I think potentially he's the right man if he was managing Stoke alone. Um, you know, he's got great credentials, done well, like you say, with Northern Ireland. But I am right in thinking that he's still doing the dual, the dual role, isn't he? Um, yeah, in, as far as in, I've heard, yeah. Yeah, and that's what I'm a bit confused by because this doesn't happen a lot these days, does it? It was something that was... You know, branded around in the '90s, where you managed an international team and a and a club at the same time, and prior to that. But you know, since then, it's it's unheard of a little bit. And I'm I'm and for that reason, that's why I'm split, thinking, is this a good appointment or not? Because you can say in many ways that the you know the international job, it's it's you know there's, there's a lot of rest periods, and it's it's great for some managers, but then to be doing both for me. When I heard the news, I thought that he'd left Northern Ireland and, and he was he was going to be taking over Stoke on a permanent basis. And I thought, yes, that's a good appointment. But then, like I say, with this dual role, I'm just I'm not sure. You know, it needs to surely be giving Stoke City 110 percent at this stage, particularly where they are sat in the league table. I think, um, you know, un- unless I'm missing something, it's, it's going to be a case that, you know, once the qualifiers are over and if they don't make it to the Euros etc then it will permanently take over Stoke you know in, in regards to that I'm, I'm not sure um, but yeah to answer your question like I say I'm, I'm 50-50 just because I've got sim, you know, simply these question marks over over managing two clubs at the same time so I'm interested to see what you're going to say about that what's your thoughts? Yeah I think first and foremost you know he's definitely
1: deserved the chance of, of managing a club side you know as I said, he's done fantastically well for Northern Ireland from where he took over them to where they are now, you know, still considered a, a relatively sort of small side um in terms of international stature for him to, you know, go toe to toe with the likes of Germany and, and Holland uh, and such in recent qualifying campaigns and you know, testament to to his managerial sort of credentials. And I think definitely he does deserve this chance. Obviously as you mentioned, the the concern for me is Stoke are 23rd in the league at the moment you know they're three they're points from safety yeah they're a team that have been you know well below their standards this season and it's not as if you know he's managing say like a i don't know looking down the table like a, a qpr of birmingham for example a team that are you know nicely positioned in mid table and and he's got sort of that northern Ireland responsibility at the moment i think for a team of stoke standing a team that you know with their fan base won't be, you know, content with being down at the bottom of the table and, and wouldn't have expected to be in a relegation fight this season. I I think it is a bit of a, a gamble that sort of O'Neill is taking and and Stoke as well. So I will be interested to see how it goes, you know, over the next sort of period between now and, and coming sort of the other side of the Christmas period. You know, the games come thick and fast and you know, while this is the last international break until March, I believe um, certainly for England. I don't know if Northern Ireland have any sort of in the meantime, but I, you know the international breaks tend to fall with all the same teams and and countries taking a break and and playing at the same time. So obviously he's got that focus solely then after this international break on on Stoke City. But for a manager coming in who's only had one game and and had you know a relatively short period of time with the players, I would have thought you know an international break would be prime opportunity to get the players in you know, get his system and style of play across to the players. So I think, you know, if they go back after that international break, carry on, you know, losing. Obviously I said earlier that the Barnsley result is a fantastic building block, but, you know, if they follow that up with a defeat, you know, they're back to square one really. So, uh, yeah, I think the next two or three games for Stoke are going to be absolutely crucial, and they're going to kind of set the tone for this in this sort of winter period. So, you know, obviously, all the best of luck to, to Michael O'Neill. I think he is a fantastic manager. I do just worry there is that thought in the back of my mind that that you know juggling both of them at the same time is sort of playing with fire and asking for trouble, especially. Yeah, I agree. I agree with I agree. the like of Stoke. So. Obviously, Nathan Jones showed it. He came in, you know, good pedigree. Obviously, he didn't have that, that international distraction. But, you know, obviously, it didn't work out for him. So, yeah, definitely mm. is one to watch over the next few weeks. Um, but with that, um, obviously, just before we wrap up, uh, you know, the table is starting to take shape now. I still am pinching myself that Preston are where we are. Um <laughs> sort of made me laugh at the weekend. I think, you know, Leeds, who did think they'd be in the top two, obviously, the level on points with us. I think our stat that I was talking to you about off air that we've had eight penalties in sixteen games so far this season somehow found its way to Leeds Twitter and you know our hashtag and timeline on Twitter was just full of Leeds fans you know saying it was a, an EFL conspiracy that we're as high as we are and 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 you know sort of going off with, with that obviously I still am expecting the bubble to burst I'm quite a you know pessimistic Preston fan but with the way we're playing at the moment you know we fully deserve to be second. Top of the table, first of all, that top three: West Brom, Preston North End, and Leeds. two points clear. Of Swansea in fourth at the moment. Do you expect that top three to to stay as it is, sort of for the majority of the season, or do you expect one of those teams in and around the playoffs, uh, if not several, to to come in and, and sort of disrupt that?
2: You know what? It's so interesting, isn't it? I'm I'm just looking at it now in front of me, and I'm I'm, I'm weighing things up. Um, I think you can ultimately say. Um, nothing against Preston. They've been fantastic and, you know, they've scored more goals than anyone in the division. But based on the statistics, which you know I like, James, um, I look at West Brom, who are first, and what makes me think they're going to be right up there, first or second this season, and I've always said it, is... They just don't lose games, do they? They've lost one game all season in 16, which we, you think, you know, that, that in, in even in that regard, they're kind of going under the radar a little bit, even though they're sat in first position. Is I, th- yeah, I think you tend to forget that in this league where it is so difficult to pick up points week in, week out against all the teams in this division, that they've still only lost one game. And I think, yes, ultimately that West Brom are going to be the team to beat. Second to that, and I know they are sat just a point um, or level on points with, with Preston. I also still look at Leeds and I know they've lost a couple more games uh, they've lost three in total as have Preston but for me Leeds only have to get one thing right and they're going to be right up there as well and that's obviously finishing their goal scoring opportunities. They've only conceded nine goals in 16 games which again like West Brom but a different statistic is incredible. Um It's just a shame, you know, for for their sake, that they've only managed to score 21, which is crazy. That Luton Town have scored more goals than Leeds United this season, who are currently sat in 21st. So it just goes to show how well defensively they're doing. And I do think over time, with a January transfer window coming up, and, you know, you could say a little bit more luck on their side, um, Leeds United and West Brom are going to be the teams to beat, if you like. But with that, you know, we look at your side, Preston North End doing fantastically well. Like you say, I didn't think that they'd be second at this point. I think, you know, Preston, a team, what are always going to push playoffs for me between, you know, fourth and 10th and in the league. So they're doing really well um, and they've won three on the bounce. So they, for me, keep getting better and better, even though you've said they've got a few games coming up that are difficult. But other than that, I think you've got to look at that bunch Um in, in in the teams that have only lost between one and three games this season. And and they're all in the top six. I mean, Bristol City as well, they only lost two games. Uh, Forest lost three, Swansea three, Leeds and Preston three. They, for me, are going to be the, the breakaway teams. The only other one what could give it a push if they have a bit more if, if if they improve on their form week in, week out, would be Fulham with the likes of, of Mitrovic and the and the fire, firepower that they've got. Um, but we always say, don't we, the league table does not lie. And in this case, it simply doesn't. Yeah, those those top six, for me, are the best teams in the league. But ultimately, the top two that I think will be there at the end of the season, it has to be West Brom and Leeds United if they continue on this current uh, trend that they're on uh, recently, from the beginning of the season, should I say?
1: Yeah, I agree. We, I think, you know, looking at Preston's fixtures coming up, we've got two away games at, at Derby and Hull. Then we play West Brom. Then we go to QPR, and then we've got Fulham at home. So, a tricky sort of run of fixtures coming up. I think if we can get out of that and still be in second place, you know, I, I might start to believe. Then the one thing that worries me is, is after the international break, looking down Leeds Leeds's fixtures. I think. If a Leeds fan could have chose their fixtures between now and sort of middle of December, you know, I think they would have (laughs) chose this run. They've got Luton and Reading away, Middlesbrough at home, who are obviously struggling, Huddersfield away, Mm. Hull at home, Cardiff at home. So quite a favourable run of fixtures. West Brom, you know, sort of looking at them, you know, not easy by any stretch of the imagination. They play you, who difficult team to beat they play bristol city then sort of the, the crunch one for us they play us on a tuesday night at the start of december and then they've got swansea at home as well so they've got three home games out of four coming up but there are they are teams sort of in and around the playoffs. so while it w- is good for them having those those home games it is teams around them so you know if they come out of that with with three or four wins you know they're gonna sort of pull away. But you know, at the same time, if they get pegged back in any of those games, there are those teams breathing right down the neck. So, I think middle of December, I think will be better, sort of to, to gauge where where those teams yeah. are going to finish. I think you know that that next run of five for for each of those three teams is going to be absolutely crucial. Um, so sort of to flip it to the other side, then obviously we touched on Stoke and Barnsley a bit earlier. The likes of of Luton and Wigan, you know, we thought would be down sort of near the bottom of the table this season. Huddersfield are starting to pick up a little bit. Middlesbrough, as I mentioned, you know, I'm quite surprised they're still down there, really. I think they will come good in the end. I think Jonathan Woodgate is sort of finding it a little bit more challenging than they thought. But, you know, with with the talent that Middlesbrough have got, I can't see them being down there for, for too much longer. Do you expect sort of that bottom sort of portion to stay as it is with the likes of of obviously Wigan, Luton, Stoke, Barnsley, or do you think that Middlesbrough will get sucked into it, um, or do you think that sort of a team in in
2: mid table will get dragged in? Now, I think I've you know there's there's a few teams that I am worried for. Um... And obviously one of them is Barnsley. You look at them, 24th in the league, nine points, conceded 33. I mean, they play some good footballs at times and they can score goals. It's just <laughs> it's just simply that they concede too many. I don't think they've got enough quality in depth at Barnsley. So I, I really worry for them and expect them to go down this season. The thing with Stoke is they've they've made the change like we've talked about already with Michael O'Neill, but they've, they've probably made the change at the right time. And I can only see Stoke well, they can't get much worse in terms of going down the league. So they ultimately might do what Huddersfield have done. You know, we were going to talk about Huddersfield as one of the topics tonight, but obviously we're short on time. So but Huddersfield, I'll mention them, is that, you know, Cowley's done a great job. He got manager of the month, didn't he, for October, run beating in about five games, I believe, uh, three of, you know, winning three of those. So they've, they've come right out of it. But because they've come out of it, you've got to look at the likes of Wigan, Luton, Middlesbrough and Barnsley now are the ones that I really fear for like I say I think Stoke can push out of that they've won three out of the last six games so they're slowly going in in the right direction and for me only one way will be up for them Um, and they'll creep out of the relegation zone you mentioned Middlesbrough and you think they won't be there for long but I still do week in week out I've always said there's something missing at Middlesbrough. Won two games all season. Uh, simply not scoring enough goals. And you wouldn't think it with a player like Samba Longer up front. Yes, he's, he grabbed a, a couple this weekend. But they just... I've, I, I said about three weeks ago on the show that you'd expect them to be looking up the table. I think they're still looking over the shoulder that the likes of Stoke and Barnsley, you know. Um, I don't know, if I'm honest how Woodgate has not been sacked in this international break yet. I mean, it might happen or it might happen in the next one or near a Christmas. And it's not that I want him to get sacked. I think managers should be given time. But when you're sacked 22nd, um, you know, after 16 games and you're a team, really, what should be, if I'm, you know, even being polite and realistic, you should be around halfway in in the table, I'd say, um, with the players that they've got. So, for me, for the remainder of the season, I'm going to say that Wigan, Luton, Middlesbrough and Barnsley, uh, three out of those four are going to go down and I wouldn't like to pick the three, but um, I think Huddersfield are going to be able to have done enough under Cowley, is really turned their fortunes around and and I think O'Neill can and can do at least the same to get them out of, out of the bottom three. So uh, yeah, that'd be the group for me that I'm really going to struggle for the remainder of the season. Well, moving on then into the, the the sort of
1: previews for after the international break, and I'll go to the one that you listed third, then Middlesbrough at home to Hull on the 24th, which is the Sunday, the lunchtime kickoff on Sky. Yeah. Do you think that Middlesbrough will continue to struggle? Obviously all are having a decent season, the likes of Jared Bowen, you know, really carrying them. Me and Jake touched on him last week and were saying he's, we're surprised he's not been snapped up by a Premier League team yet. Do you think that they can go there and get something from Middlesbrough?
2: Yeah, definitely. Straight away, I'm I'm looking at the result that I've wrote down and I've put 2-1 to Hull City. And I've simply wrote that because Hull City, yes, are inconsistent. But when you've got players like Gosicki and Bowen, like you've mentioned, I think they're a match for anyone on the day. And in this struggling Borough side, um, I can't not put a a Hull City victory. I I would be, you know, it it could be a draw. You know, it's it's difficult to say in this league, but I just, Middlesbrough just simply can't buy a win at the minute. So for that reason, I'm going to go a Hull City win. What's your thoughts? What's your prediction for that one? Yeah, I'm actually
1: gonna well I'm gonna sit on the fence. I think Hull will get something out of the game. Um, you know, they've they've been sort of steady so far this season, six wins, six defeats, four draws, so steady. twelfth in the league. Um but obviously Middlesbrough are struggling. I think Hull will get a point. I think if I'm gonna go for a score prediction, I'd say one all. I think both teams will yeah. score. But I think, you know, Hull have got that little bit about them this season to go away from home and pick up pick up points, which they didn't do last season, which was obviously why they sort of finished where they did. I think this season, they've, they've learned and grown from that. Uh, yeah, I think they will get a point. Um, I think, yeah, it will be a, a close game. Um, I just can't see any way Middlesbrough can win at the moment. Middlesbrough, I think the most draws in the league, if I'm right in saying so far this season, I think only Bristol City have got as many as them, uh, on on seven. So that's right, yeah. Yes, uh, I'm yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna sit on the fence. I'm gonna say a draw. I'm gonna say one all in this one. And um, moving on then to the the second one. Um, obviously your team, Louis, uh, touched on as I was going through West Brom's fixtures coming up. You go to West Brom on on Saturday the 23rd at three o'clock. West Brom, obviously, you said earlier only lost one game so far this season. Mm. Every time I've seen them, they seem to get better and better as well. I said last week's stand-up player for me was Romain Sawyers. Do you expect anything from that game, or do you think you can go there and, and sort of run them close
2: and get something from the game? Ah, you know what? It, if, if I'm being realistic, I, I, Wednesday could go there and run them close, but if I were to pick a result, I'm going to say 2-0 to West Brom. Um, the The only... Light at the end of the tunnel is that West Brom this season have played seven at home and they've only managed to win three. Uh, they have drawn four, so they're still not lost. I just think, ah, for me, this is you know if th- th- this tie is probably going to be one of the toughest games to go to uh, on the road and and pick up points. And I'd I'd really love to say that Wednesday could go there and get a win. You know, if if they're really on form. And our, you know, midfield and a striker, let's say, have have the game of their lives, then, yeah, potentially we can. But the attacking threat of West Brom and the goals that they're capable of, I can't not look past a home win for West Brom in this one, I'm afraid to say. But but, not only that, I think the international break now is probably... It's probably come at a right time for both teams, but a team like West Brom, who are top of the league, just scraped a one-nil victory against Hull. They've got everything in the favour at the minute. They've won two on the bounce, unbeaten in a handful of games. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick to two-nil to West Brom, but uh, <laughs> a point on the road or anything other than that would would be great. So uh, we'll see. I'm again gonna
1: sit on the fence and. I- The reason I'm going to sit on the fence and say you'll get something from this game. Obviously, you said there that West Brom at seven this season, you know, three wins and four draws. So they are finding it, I wouldn't say difficult to win at home, obviously, you know, the top of the league. So it'd be silly of me to say that. But obviously, four draws at home out of seven games, you know, may be a bit worrying. Just looking down your results over recent weeks, you know, every game. You seem to be sort of really in as well. There isn't a game that Here we are, pull, yeah. <laughs> pull, There isn't a game you've pulled away, or there isn't a game you know you've been battered either. You know, one all with Cardiff. You beat Stoke one 0 Drew with Leeds. I'm lucky to get that uh, sort of last minute defeat to Blackburn, and then drew two all with Swansea. So you're scoring goals. You you know you're making it difficult for other teams to score. And I think there's something about this game. Obviously, looking down all that. Probably saying this now, you'll go and win two nil or, or no, sort of three or four nil. But you know, everything seems sort of for me to look at this and point to a draw. So yeah, I'm going to stick my neck on the line. I'm going to say you're going to get something from this, and I think looking down, I'm going to say one all again. So same as I said in the first uh, in the first fixture, I think you're going to go there and get something which will massively help us uh, if we can go to Derby and get something because that would send us top on goal difference um, I hope you're right yeah I hope you're right yeah, with that one but yeah I can see you going there and getting something just off uh sort of looking over those sort of figures from from recent weeks yeah. and then finally Bristol City uh obviously we mentioned got that 1-0 win away at Cardiff uh, last time out against Nottingham Forest who got the win over Derby County in there uh, big sort of clough derby match. Um how do you see this game going? Obviously it's an earlier Bristol haven't lost a lot of games this season. Nottingham Forest in and around that playoff picture. So too as Bristol. Uh, sort of who do you see sort of winning this one?
2: This is probably the most difficult game to predict actually from the round of games coming up. Um fifth against six isn't it both on 28 points. Um Basically, just simply because they're at home, I'm going to go Bristol City. Uh, they've scored 25 goals this season. Uh, having said that, Forest don't concede many either. But I'm still going to go for the home win. Um, I think, yeah, th- th- there'll be goals in it. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to simply s- stick stick to 2-1. I think I don't know why I've just got a thing for Bristol City this season. I think they've just stepped up that level from previous seasons. Forest have still got that little bit of inconsistency about them, so I fully expect you know Bristol City to probably finish fourth or fifth fifth this year. Um, And games like this, you know, where it's six pointer, but you know it's going to give them a a dramatic, a a dramatic um, leap over the other side that they're playing. So yeah, home win for me in that. Yeah, I'm going to get off the fence and I'm going
1: to go for a home win as well. As you mentioned, Forest have been a bit inconsistent so far this season. Bristol City playing really well. I think, yeah, home win is all I can see in this one. I think probably like a comfortable 2-0 or 3-1. I think, you know, Bristol will score a few goals and and run out comfortable winners uh, so yeah, home win for me in this one I just can't see sort of anything past it uh, Bristol, very good at home as well, it's always one of the games that I worry going to along with Brentford uh, when we see our away fixtures having said that, we've uh, done quite well there in recent years but it's still one one place that I don't like going to, um, but with that we're out of time, if you want to let everyone know Louis, any
2: projects you're involved in, any socials now's a good time yeah, so you can follow me on Twitter at Louis Shackshaft. You can visit my website, which is just my name, louisshackshaft.com. I do, um, well, I'm basically like a, a fan pundit of Sheffield Wednesday at Football League World, the Yorkshire Post newspaper, and Feast of Football Radio. So, uh, yeah, just check out my Twitter page.
1: Yeah, and you can follow me on my Twitter at underscore James Vickers. And more importantly, you can follow us on the show at Championship Pod each episode is our pinned tweet so give us a follow when you won't miss an upload and there's plenty of stuff to get involved in throughout the week as well on there so definitely uh, give us a follow um but as i said yeah with that we're out of time cheers for joining me today louis and we'll see you after the international break